Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1. Here's Pastor Ryan. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to, we're actually going to finish up Romans 16 before we get into 1 Corinthians. So turn with me to Romans 16. All right, so are we all there? Romans 16, beginning in verse 20. And so, Father, we come before you this morning, and we're just so grateful for all that you've done and all that you're doing. It is the joy of our heart that we can come before you in prayer, come into your house, and Lord, study your word. But Lord, we know that we need your help. Lord, we can learn nothing or retain nothing without the power and help of your Holy Spirit. So Father, pour out your grace this morning. Remove from our hearts any hardness, any pride, any thought of ourselves. Help us, Lord, to get lost in your goodness and your righteousness. Speak to us, Lord. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. Amen. So Paul the Apostle is wrapping up his letter to the Romans, and he says in verse 20, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your foot shortly, which is a beautiful statement, and it is a true statement that the Lord will crush Satan under our feet shortly. And that's a throwback to Genesis chapter 3, when the Lord cursed the serpent for uh, bewitching Eve. He said to him in Genesis 3, And I will put enmity, enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, capital, speaking of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And that is exactly what the Lord did on the cross. He won us back. He redeemed us by a sacrificial death on the cross. His blood cleanses us. And on the third day, he rose from the dead for our justification. Uh, But soon, Satan will be crushed. Under whose feet? Our feet. It's a blessing. That's the inheritance of the Lord. And then he goes on to say, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And then he says, Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, uh, my countrymen, greet you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church, greets you. Arrestus, uh, uh, the treasurer of Uh, The city greets you, and uh, Quartus, a brother, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Verse 25, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. And that is a beautiful uh, benediction and a beautiful line here, that it is God who is able to establish you, coming from the kingdom of Darkness, which we all have come from, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you know where you come from. You know what he saved you from, from the kingdom of darkness, and he transmitted all of us 
into the kingdom of the son of his love, right? From the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We were dead in our trespasses, but you he made alive through Christ Jesus, amen? And so we, we come from darkness, we come from instability, we come from confusion, we come from uh, dead works, we come from being lost, being not established, thinking we were established, to then coming to faith in Jesus Christ and realizing through our relationship with God, he establishes our life. He still establishes our life. What is it that we think this morning will establish our life? Is it focusing on our career, focusing on family or friends or hobbies? You know, there's everyone's focusing on them on themselves, right? On Instagram and how to how to lose weight quick, how to get in shape, how to establish your body. Not saying that all those things are bad, but in reality, the Christian is established by the Lord and by the gospel that we read, that we preach, that we live. It is the Lord who establishes you. And that's why the Lord said, you know, he who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I liken him to a man who built his house on the rock. The Lord establishes us. That's why we're told, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. The Bible doesn't say, try to fix yourself, try to establish yourself. The Bible says to seek first God. And all these other things that you're trying to establish, let him, he'll establish them if they're for you. Amen? And so it says here, the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. To God alone, wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. And so it's a, it's a, the revelation of, of what it meant for the Messiah to come into the world and save mankind from their sins, right? It was a mystery. The prophets and the fathers, they all spoke that one day, right? Moses spoke that one day, there'll, there'll be one like me that comes from amongst you, your brethren, who you should follow. Speaking of the Messiah, all of them spoke of Jesus coming one day, but it was veiled and it was mysterious and they didn't know all of the, the, the uh, goal that God had in mind. But now it's been revealed through Jesus Christ. It's been revealed through the gospel, through his word. And, and we have it today. We know we are more complete because of Jesus's uh testifying of himself and uh, all that the prophets foretold. And so it says here, uh, of the everlasting God, the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. And why was it revealed? Because God desires us to be obedient to the faith of Jesus Christ, right? You were saved. I was saved. Not so that we can live however we want, but to be obedient to the faith to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandment. Jesus told the disciples as they were fishing, remember Peter, James, and Peter, James, and John, you know, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They dropped their nets and what did they do? They followed him in obedience. And that's what God has, has saved you and I for, so that we would obey him. To God alone be wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. Turn the page with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
To God alone be the wise. That's a good be wisdom or be wise. The wisdom of God is the true wisdom in the universe. It's not the wisdom of man or the philosophies of man or the worship of man or false idols. The wisdom of God is where it's at. And Corinth, Corinth in ancient uh, Greece and ancient Roman and during the Roman Empire is was more of an important city during Paul's day than even Athens was. Corinth, there in modern day Greece, uh, it was a bustling hub of worldwide commerce because of its seaport and its isthmus. And isthmus is a is a small land like bridge or neck. Isthmus means neck. And so there was a neck of, of land in between uh, the peninsula in southern Greece called the Peloponnese. And I said to myself, I looked it up, like how to say it in Greek. And I go, man, it sounds like they're saying it in, Spa- in Spanish. So that's an easy way to get it. You want me to do it again? I'll show off a little bit. Peloponnese, which is the southern uh, peninsula of, of Greece. And it separated this little land bridge neck. It separated it from the northern mainland of Greece. And in ancient times, uh, many kingdoms tried to create some sort of canal there so that ships can come in from, from uh, the west to the east and vice versa. But they failed until the Romans, they came up with the plan to make a land ramp or a track by which, you know, uh, the ships would come from either direction, unload their cargo, and the, the cargo would be transported over the land bridge over to the other side where a ship would be waiting. And then from there, they would take it to their destination. But we all know that Corinth has a a reputation that isn't good in ancient times. It had a, a, a reputation of being vulgar, vulgarity, materialism. In the earliest uh, Greek literature, it was linked with wealth and immorality. When Plato referred to a prostitute, he used the term a Corinthian girl. Arastophanes, which... <laughs> Rastafanis. It sounds like Rastafari. It's not that. Aristophanes, the playwright in ancient Greek, wrote, he coined uh, the verb Corinthia zome, which means fornication, speaking of a Corinthian. According to Strabo, the Greek uh, uh, geographer and philosopher, he said that much of the vice and the, and the wealth in Corinth, centered around the temple Aphrodites with her thousand prostitutes there at the temple. And there was another thousand, they said, in the city. For this reason, a proverb warned people, not every man is the, not for every man is the voyage to Corinth. So Corinth makes our Las Vegas look not so sinful. In 146 BC, 100 years before Paul got there, Corinth was destroyed 
uh, by the Romans because they had uh, rebelled against the empire. And uh, for a hundred years or so, it was, it was you know, kind of a, uh, an empty uh, city there for a while. Uh, the, the people there were, were killed or taken into slavery. Uh, for that hundred years, it was really scarce, but it got built up again. Uh, Julius Caesar, because it was a favorable location for the empire, he refounded the city around 46 BC, uh, about five years before Paul would get there, and uh, made it into a, uh, a Roman colony, and uh, it became the governmental seat for Achaia uh, there, and it's the seat where uh, Galileo was proconsul, by which Paul would be uh, in front of one day and preach the gospel. And so as we know, like I said earlier, the wisdom of God is where it's at. The Greeks are famously known for searching out the wisdom of man, searching out the philosophies of man. They worship every god under the sun, false god, trying to find the meaning of life trying to find it in pleasure, trying to find it in uh, materialism, trying to find it in anything. But as you know, nothing in this world satisfies. And so this corrupt place is the very place where the gospel would go to through Paul. It's the very place where though it was corrupt, though it was um, so immoral, yet God would tell Paul, I have many here in this city. So how God can work in such a corrupt city, in such a immoral place, is beautiful. That's how powerful the message of the cross is to the sinner. And here we are living in a world that is so immoral and so dark, but yet the message that we carry can penetrate any hard heart. Nothing can stop it. And so uh, it's it's a... a beautiful thing that God would say to him, Paul, I have many in this city. And the apostle Paul would establish the Corinthian church during his second missionary journey. It was in Corinth where he met the famous couple Aquila and Priscilla who had recently uh, gone to Corinth when they were thrown out by Claudius uh, there in Rome because he made an edict ordering uh, the expulsion of all Uh, the Jews who lived in the city. And so Paul would meet them, and they were a godly couple, and he would uh, work with them as tent makers because that's what they did by trade, and Paul also was able to do that, and then he would live with them in Corinth. The purpose of this letter was to, or is to identify the problems that were happening within the Corinthian church to offer solutions, and to teach the believers how to live for Christ in a corrupt society, how to live for Jesus in an immoral world. It's Things haven't changed. Does God not teach us how to live right in this immoral world? Absolutely. He calls us to be salt and light, to be an influence, to be a city uh, on a hill, to be that light that cannot be hidden. That's what God calls us Uh, to be in this immoral world. We can do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul would write this letter during the end of his third missionary journey. 
Uh, in 55 AD, from Ephesus, he would move to Ephesus with Aquila and Priscilla and was there for about three years. And that's when he would pen this in about 55 AD. But he first arrived there uh, four years prior. And so with that said, let's begin. Verse 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, we see this common introduction in Paul's letters often, right? It's a, it, it's him affirming his calling. He's an apostle called by the Lord through the will of God. It's a beautiful thing. He does it often. Why would he do it often? One reason is because people doubted his, his authority from the Lord. There were haters. There were doubters who would reject his authority, reject the fact that he's an apostle. So in one sense, by saying this at the beginning of his letter, he's letting the the reader know, I am who I am because God has called me. I am what I am because it's the will of God. In Galatians chapter 1, he says it beautifully. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Beautiful. I'm an apostle, not because man has called me, but because Jesus Christ has called me. And it's a beautiful thing to say to the haters, but I I don't believe that it was just towards the haters that he's speaking to. I think it was good for him, kind of like self-therapy, you know, where he would just, encourage himself by reminding himself that Jesus Christ redeemed him from his sins and has called him into the ministry. I think Paul needed to remind himself that, as I believe all of us need to remind ourselves that very thing, that he who called us is faithful who will also do it, that Jesus didn't just die on the cross for our sins and win us back, justified us by his resurrection, but he wants to use you and I for his purposes. And he's called you and I. And it is his will that you were saved. We need that reminder. I think Paul needed that reminder. Paul knew that he was a forgiven man, but he did dirty to the church of Christ prior to coming to the faith. He persecuted the church. He arrested women and children to the dungeon because of Bible studies and Christian meetings. He did all that. He used to try to destroy the very faith that he's now preaching. And so he would say concerning himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 through 10, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Like he knew I was bad, I was so bad. Like I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. I mean, you talk about self-realization and being honest with yourself. That's like saying, man, I, I, God saved me from such, such bad things that it's not, I'm not even worthy to be called a Christian. That's beautiful. That's humility. That's the opposite of arrogance. He's totally humble, but yet he says, I am what I am by the grace of God. I am what I am. It is what it is. You are what you are. Doesn't matter how you feel. And I think Paul needed this because he didn't feel too much like an apostle a lot of times. You ever feel like you're not 
that good of a Christian you ever feel like, man, you know, it's good to remind yourself that you are a Christian. And it has nothing to do with your feelings. It has to do with the blood of Jesus Christ. You are a Christian. You are a Christian. Feelings are irrelevant. Everybody's living off feelings. And we know where that leads to. It leads to hell. Peter would say in 2 Peter chapter uh, 1 in his second epistle, verse 10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Be even more diligent, right, to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And that's what we need to do. Satan would want Paul to think that he, he is unqualified, uncalled, and too filthy to be a representative of Jesus Christ. The devil's trying to do the same for you and I. He wants us to doubt our calling. He wants us to doubt that we're even saved. He wants us to doubt it all. But that's why we stick by Jesus and we read his word and we pray and, and we get reminded, no, I'm called, not because of man, but I'm called because the son of man called me and it's his will that I serve him. And it's his will that you serve him if indeed you've given your life to Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. It's God's will. He thought about it. He wanted it. He wanted you and I and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. To the church of God is beautiful statement here, speaking to a, a, a fairly new church, right? About four years old. They were messed up, right? This letter is about a messed up local church that had all kinds of wrong things happening, right? There's immorality that he deals with. There's uh, uh, divisions. There's carnality. There's all kinds of things that are uh, uh, wrong with the church. But yet, because of even though there's wrongs, he still refers to it as the church of who? The church of God. Because the reality of the church is that we, is that it's, it's filled with people. And when you deal with people, there can be misunderstandings. There can be, uh, challenges, uh, all kinds of people problems, right? More people, more problems. More people, more. I know they don't use the word problem because it, it's a problem. <laughs> Say challenges. Problems are problems. Let's not be that sensitive. We're not snowflakes after all. Problems. People problems. So, but we work through those things and it's still the church of God. It's still the church of God. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Bear with one another in love, the Bible says. Don't, don't get so easily offended with one another. Don't. You know, I think we said it like we're, we can't please everybody. Oh, the pastor said hi to me. Why does he bother me? Doesn't he know I'm busy? Or he didn't say hi to me. What is he stuck up? You know, uh, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe I am. I don't know. But, you know, it, 
You can't please everybody. We try. But love believes all things. It's not paranoid. It's not, you know, it's all good. <clears throat> but that doesn't mean that there is a, a, not a time that one should leave a church. I think that uh, sheep are absolutely uh, uh, almost not only able, but responsible to leave a church when the leadership gets into sin, compromises the word. I would add to that, even goes woke. There are woke churches. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m., and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We adore.